Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, how grateful we are that we can trust in you and take courage that you will hear us, that you will be with us, that you will never fail us. Father, we pray that as we open your word together, you would remind us of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. I would just like to point out how quiet that was. That, ladies and gentlemen, is not real life. I know, because almost half of those kids were mine. <laughs> but real life is a messy thing. It, it isn't organized and neat and goes according to plan. We don't ever say, okay, kids, go ahead and get up and, and go out, and they just stand up and orderly and quietly file out. It, it doesn't work that way normally. That is why I appreciate this psalm so much. Because as we look at Psalm 31, we get to experience the messiness of life. And uh, while the messiness of life is not very comforting, and reading a psalm like this can seem a little bit disconcerting, it's also reassuring to know that God knows what real life is like. And so let's read Psalm chapter 31 together. This is a psalm to the choir master. It's a psalm of David. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, 
which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But I heard the voice, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. We have a mixture in this psalm. There's a mixture. There's this mixture of um, thanksgiving and praise. There's, there's a mixture of, of uh, proclamation of trust and hope and confidence. And then there's this mixture of lament and sorrow and crying and despair almost. As David is working through all of these different things and he's going, this is what my circumstances are and in you, God, I trust but this is what my circumstances are and they lead me right to the brink because it's so challenging. And yet, God, I know of your goodness and your faithfulness. And so I'm trusting in you. And then he ends with this praise. And so let's, let's take a look at this. As he begins in verse 1, he says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. In, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge? He's going, God, you are, are my uh, place of security. You're my castle. You're my fortress. You're my place of refuge. If you've been out um, when there's a lot of weather happening, and by weather I mean storms, winds, rains, you're looking for some sort of refuge, some place of shelter. From that, right? So, so when you're out and about and the, the wind is just coming and it's pushing the rain into your face and you're, okay, anywhere, right? And anywhere. If I could find anywhere that I could, could hide and be protected from this. And so you, you find something and, and maybe it's a piece of cardboard and you just hold up that piece of cardboard because this is better than nothing. But it doesn't last very long. Because the wind and the rain just keep coming on it and it, it just doesn't last. And so what he's saying here is, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. You're the, you're the place for me that is one of security. I'm not looking anywhere else, Lord. I'm just looking to you. And then he says this, let me never be put to shame. Are you afraid of that? I have to admit there are times that I'm afraid of that. That at some point, I'm going to put my trust in someone and they're going to let me down. And not only will it cause me pain because they failed me, but I'm going to be ashamed because I trusted them. You, you know what I'm talking about? What, you know, where, where your friends or somebody is going to go, you did What? You trusted them? You really thought it would be a good idea to give them your money? Uh, yes? Wow. You really aren't that smart, are you? 
No. And I have this fear that if I put my trust in the wrong place, not only are they going to let me down, and that's going to be a big disappointment for me, but I'm going to be ashamed because all these people are going to see me in my failure. And they're going to see where I placed my confidence in the wrong place and was let down. And I'm going to be ashamed. And I think that there are a lot of people who have this fear about God that I want to trust God, I want to put my hope in God, but what if he lets me down? Maybe I could be okay with that. Maybe I'm not trusting him with everything. I'm just trusting him with a little bit in this circumstance. And if he lets me down, I'll be okay. But it's going to be really embarrassing. Because other people are going to know and they're going to go, what were you thinking? I'm sorry. You thought God was real? It's a fairy tale. It's a myth. It's a legend from a long, long time ago. Who still believes in that stuff? Me? There's this, there's this thing in the back of my mind that I just... God, don't let me down. I'm putting my trust in you, God. Don't let me down, because if you do, I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to be ashamed. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me. A strong fortress to save me. Listen, God. Open up your ears and hear the things that I'm saying. I'm putting my trust in you. Do do you find yourself in this place? Maybe late at night. When it's too late to change anything from the day. You just find yourself crying out to God, God, I got nothing left. I can't do this. I'm frustrated. I'm struggling. God, you've got to help me. I'm putting my hope in you. I'm putting my trust in you. God, listen to what I'm saying. Incline your ear to me. Be inclined to hear the things that I'm saying. So that when I cry out to you, you will respond. And then respond quickly. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me. A strong fortress to me. For you are my rock and my fortress. He said, God, God, be what I have already expected you to be. In my mind, in my heart, in my trust, this is what you are. You are my hope and my fortress. And so God, really be that. I don't want it to be a mirage. I I don't want it to be deceived and, and have it be false. What I'm seeing, what I'm hoping in, what I'm trusting in, actually be that. Okay? I'm, I'm holding on here and I'm trusting you, God, for you are, for you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and you guide me. You take me out of the net that they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. This is just an expression of ultimate trust. God, I I am just entrusting you with everything that I am. 
Into your hand, I entrust my spirit. Sometimes you, you feel that way, right? When you're trusting somebody, really trusting somebody, you feel like, okay, into your hands, I'm committing myself. Many of you know this about me. I love basketball. I, I coach basketball for, for sports camp out here. I play basketball uh, a few mornings a week at the gym. And some of you know that because I talk about it a lot. Some of you know that because of the number of times I've come up here on crutches. I'll admit, I did once again roll my ankle this week playing basketball. I left the crutches in the car um, because I didn't want to be embarrassed. But I'm getting over it. This week, this week, I went and I saw the chiropractor because I was going in for a regular checkup and, and she looked at my ankle and said, what did you do? I, I rolled it playing basketball. She said, I'm going to take a look at that. No, I, you can look at my back. You don't need to look at the ankle. That's, I've done this before. We're good there. No, I'm going to look at your ankle. And so she takes my ankle in her hand, the ankle that is the size of a grapefruit because I just rolled it the day before. And she goes, okay, I want you to relax your foot. Come on now. <laughs> you got to be kidding. She goes, no, really, really? I want you to relax your foot. It still hurts. She goes, I'm, I'm just going to put a little pressure there. I'm afraid of that. She goes, relax your foot. Okay, Miss Chiropractor. Into your hand I commit my foot. It was an act of great trust on my part. And she put her thumb right in the middle and she gave it a little tug and pushed with her thumb right there. And I went, ooh, oh, I didn't cry. She was a woman. And she has small hands. But she, she did that and then I went, oh, I feel like I have an ankle again. She goes, yeah. Come back next week and we'll ch check it out and make sure it's recovering well. Okay, yeah, we can do that. But for that moment, as I'm relaxing my foot and she's moving it around, and I know that any moment she is about to do something that's going to hurt, I am entrusting my foot to her and it felt like a real big leap of faith to me. When the psalmist is saying, into your hand I commit my spirit, he's not talking about his foot. He's not talking about his arm. He's not talking about his head. He's not talking about his entire physical body. He is talking about his entire being. Into your hand, O oh Lord, I commit my very spirit. Everything that I have, I am giving and trusting completely to you. It may hurt, but I trust you. And this is why he's going, oh Lord, don't let me down. Don't let me down. Some of you are in that kind of a place right now. You have been struggling and you've been debating whether or not you're going to entirely trust God with this. Because you're afraid there's going to be pain on the other end. Or you're afraid there's going to be shame. And what I'm asking you is to consider that God is there. 
that He is your rock, that He is your fortress, that He is reliable, you can entrust even your very being to Him. And the reason that I know that is because I've heard this phrase before. This verse, Psalm uh, 31 verse 5, into your hand I commit my spirit. And I think, wait a second, I've been in church for a while. I, I've heard this before. Somebody else said this. Somebody else said this in, in Luke chapter 23. In Luke chapter 23 verse 44, it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. God the Son, Jesus, on the cross, is quoting this psalm. And I think about what's happening in this psalm and the stuff that's going on. And I think about the context for Jesus and what's happening with Jesus when he says this. All of his friends have betrayed him. They've turned away from him. He's been handed over wrongfully to the Roman authorities who are now punishing him for things he didn't do. Then he was whipped, beaten, dragged forced to carry his own cross up onto this hill. And on that hill was then crucified, hung on the cross. And in the midst of all of that, as the people are standing around mocking him and his friends have run away and abandoned him, he's standing on the cross in complete agony and goes, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I am entrusting you with everything. That's why I'm here. He didn't have to be there. He could have avoided that. He could have gone, forget that. Just like I was sitting there with my chiropractor going, uh-uh, no, no, you don't, you're not going to touch that ankle. Work on the stuff that's healthy, not the stuff that's broken. Jesus was, could have gone, look, God, no, Father, I love you, but I don't want to go all the way to there. And instead, what he says is, Father, I love you. And because of my love for you, I'm going to go all the way to there. I commit myself to you completely. Unto death. Even death on a cross. So that the result for us is a knowledge that because Jesus did that, we are united with Him. I know that because of Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. 
For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has any dominion over Him. Yes! Because Jesus was willing to go all the way, entrust Himself to God the Father completely, go all the way, we being united with Him, get those same benefits. So that in our union with Him, we are crucified and we're raised to a new life. Yes! Praise God for that. So that it continues on in Romans chapter 31, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This expression of, of hope and trust that we see foreshadowed in the Psalms by David. And we know now that we as Christians still have that same hope in God affirmed for us in Christ's sacrifice for us so that we can trust in Him because if God would not withhold His Son, what could He possibly withhold from us? Nothing then can separate us from the love of God. And that would be a great place to end. I, let's just stop right there. And walk out of here with our heads high, confident in the hope and trust of the Lord. But the, the psalm didn't end in verse 5. And so we don't stop. In verse 6 of Psalm 31, it says, I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. And we're left in this place along with Psalm uh, with Romans chapter 8 of going, yes, this is great. We are strong. We are steadfast. We are in the love of God. We're put in a solid place with a, a broad road, very level. Everything's just how it should be. And then in verse 9 it says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. And uh, time out. What happened? How did we end up here? How did we end up in round two? 
Round one was great. There was problems. There was some affliction. There was some struggle. There was this trust in God. God comes through. I entrust myself to your spirit. We see this in the, the uh, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And then we see God delivers him and everything's great. And how come we now have verse nine? Why don't we end at verse eight? Can we just agree together? We'll just end in verse eight. We'll call it a day. Everybody goes home early. But that's not how life works. We would love for that. Jesus died on the cross. He was afflicted so that we can be set free. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I trust in Him and everything's perfect. That's my plan. Our plans often look like that. Really level, smooth road. I can see the finish line. And I'm just going to walk down this road until I hit the finish line. When in reality, it's a lot more hilly than that. It's a lot more messy than that. Life doesn't go just in a straight, organized manner. We have these bumps and bruises and chasms and rivers and all kinds of messy things that come up in the midst of life. And that's what he's dealing with. He, he trusts God. He knows that. And yet we do have this round two. It comes around again. And I just want to say to you that even though it doesn't look like it all the time, this happens for everybody. This is the normal Christian life. You may come in, you may walk in and you look around and go, man, everybody else has it all figured out. What is wrong with me? And you look around at all these smiling people. And they seem content, and they seem happy, and they've got everything put together, and their life seems to be headed in the right direction, and they don't seem to have all of these bumps and bruises that I have, and there must be something wrong with me. And I want you to know, that's not how life works. Even the Christian life in Jesus doesn't work that way. Even for David, a man after God's own heart, whom he was anointed and chosen to be king of all of Israel, his life didn't work that way. It was a mess. You look at the number of years that David had peace and was just king and things were the way that they were supposed to be, it is not nearly enough. His life was a mess. That's how it is. And for some of you, you're going, oh, man, I thought I was just missing something. I thought you were going to just tell me what the secret was so that I could pray the right words and then everything would get smoothed out like for everybody else. But for some of you, you're going, really? I'm not the only one? You're not the only one. This is the way that it is. This is what it means to completely entrust yourself to God. That even when there's brokenness, even when there's pain, we recognize this is part of how it goes. But I'm going to trust Him anyway. I'm going to put my hope there anyway. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. Verse 9. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. 
He's, he's had one of these nights that he's been crying so much his eyes hurt. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you, you just have nothing left, your eyes just feel like they've wasted away because you've been crying so much. My life is spent with sorrow, my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. Why is that? When we hit our lowest points and the struggle is really real and we look around for help, and it's like people just look the other way. Wow, that looks like it hurts. Uh, Sorry about that. When you're really in that place of, of, of struggle and you're looking, looking for help and it's just not there. People fail us. The friends that we thought would be there for us, the people that we thought would be right there in it with us, they suddenly turn a blind eye and you find yourself all alone. David's going, I, I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I become like a broken vessel. What do you do with a broken vessel? What do you do with a broken bowl? I, I have kids at home, and they're really good with bowls, but I'm not. Um, and so sometimes I drop one, and I pick it up, and I look around, and I throw it away and hope nobody misses it. Right? Because what am I going to do? Super glue? It's a cereal bowl, a, a soup bowl. You're not going to super glue it. It's, it's broken. So you throw it away and hope that the kids don't notice. <laughs> He's going, I, I'm like a forgotten vessel. I, I'm just gone, cast aside. Nobody pays any attention to me anymore because of all of the stuff that's happening, God. But God, I want you to hear. Listen. You still see? You still know my struggle? God, I hear whispering of many, terror on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. It's just like everybody has turned against me, God. I've trusted you. Everybody's turned against me. I I put my hope in you and you're my rock and my refuge, but things still aren't going well. And as they don't go well, then people just, it seems like more and more people are turning against me and nobody's there and nobody's supporting me. But I trust in you, O Lord. Verse 14. But I trust in you. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. I put my trust in you, O Lord. Where are you putting your trust? Where are you putting your trust? Are you putting your trust in the Lord? Do you find yourself praying these kinds of prayers when things get tough? Oh God, hear me. 
God, show Yourself. Reveal Yourself. Demonstrate Your faithfulness to me. That's how we know. If we didn't ever encounter these kinds of bumps in the road, these kinds of hang-ups, we would never know for sure whether or not we trusted the Lord. I don't think so. It is when we encounter these things that we see what our response is and where our hope and where our trust is. When we encounter these things, that's when we turn to the Lord and we say, God, my hope is in you. This isn't working out, but my hope is in you. I'm praying to you, Lord. I'm crying out to you. I'm expecting. We go digging into God's Word, looking for passages like this that reassure us that even in the difficult times, God is still there with us. And He says, My my times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies, from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips of the mute, which speak insolently against the righteousness in pride and contempt. God, those other people, let those things happen to them. The people who aren't trusting you. The people who who are are trusting in those silly, weird things over there. let, Let that stuff happen to them. But God, show yourself faithful to me. Come alongside me. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. God, I am convinced. I am convinced that you have an abundant goodness stored up. I am convinced of it. And going back to Romans chapter 8, just a little bit earlier in the passage, before that great passage where he talks about nothing can separate us from the love of God, right before that, in Romans 8.18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves... We who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen, now hope that is seen is not hope. 
For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so as we find ourselves in this difficult place and as we are waiting, we can know for sure that God is trustworthy. We can know for sure that the hope He has for us is far better than all of the struggles that we're dealing with now. It puts There's just no comparison. So we can struggle with these things now knowing that ultimately... As we and all of creation together are waiting for the fulfillment where God will restore all things, that that day is going to be glorious and wonderful and we will get there. And as we're waiting patiently for those things, we have the Holy Spirit within us who helps us to pray and who intercedes on our behalf. So that when we're crying out and going, God, I, I don't even know how to pray. The Holy Spirit within us is praying, interceding on our behalf, helping us to pray, to find the words to say. Because God's love for us is so great. In the cover of your presence, you hide them. From the plots of men, you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. God, you've, you've taken us and you've put us in this place that even in the midst of everything we can trust in you. And then in verse 21 of Psalm 31, he just turns and he begins to praise the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I'd said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you His saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Be strong and take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. As we are waiting on the Lord, we are going to praise Him. We are going to thank Him. We are going to wait expectantly. We are going to pray and cry out. And all of these things are going to come all together. Because life's a mess. And while we would like to have it just be in order, where we cry out, or we trust, we cry out, and then we praise God afterwards and we're all done, and now we just praise Him forevermore, we're not there yet. And so we have this mixture of praising and crying out and thanking and hoping and trusting and praying all together. And my encouragement to you is that he is trustworthy, so be strong and take courage as we wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Let's pray.